the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Oh, my heart had been leaking since the day that I first laid eyes upon you. I knew you were the one. Welcome to the Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 43, and our guest is Sean James. Sean is a singer and songwriter originally from Chicago, whose most recent record, The Dark and the Light, was released earlier this year. The record is beautiful and complicated, and so is the artist. We caught up with Sean ahead of his show at Soundbar in Orlando, Florida earlier this year. Sean was open and honest from the jump, and I am just so grateful for this opportunity. The song you're hearing is Orpheus from Sean's new record, The Dark and the Light, which you can pick up at seanjamesmusic.com. Everyone, it is my distinct honor to present my conversation with Sean James. Get into the dark and the light, then, which All is right, a beautiful brother. record, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate Great job. That. Um, thank you so much for putting that out in the world. And it's it's different from your other ones. Yeah. Um, and can you speak a little bit about like what it was like? Because that one's the first one, as I understand, that you've really done with somebody else producing, right? First one I've ever worked with anybody else producing. Yeah. So could you talk about like what that felt like? I mean, that's yeah. letting go a lot, right? N- yes and no. Okay. No, because. Okay, so in the past, you know, I had recorded on my own or either rented a studio and pretty much, you know, tracked everything live myself or like worked with one other person. But everything I produced, everything I wrote, everything I planned and, you know, for so long I had done that. And then eventually I passed the buck on engineering because over examining the music kind of made me, you know, I'd love a mix one day, the next day completely erase it. and come back again and I was like well I need to take my my head's mainly in the creative game and the creation of it but when it comes to mixing I like to just pass that off uh-huh. so man eventually I just I wanted to take the next step because I feel like at that point it felt like I had done a lot independently and that I was kind of hitting a, a wall mm. with um, you know new techniques or trying something new I had kind of gone through everything that I could have done on my own mm-hmm. and wanted to expand and I'm, I'm really picky about who I work with and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so the producer thing I had been offered before to do it. And I was like, hell no, you know, mm-hmm. cause it just felt like you said giving up a lot. Mm-hmm. So eventually, um, my publisher at the time was, uh, encouraging me to go for the new record. And he said, you know, have you ever thought about working with somebody? And I told him all that stuff and he was like, well, I might have someone that I can connect you with that I think you'd get along with well because of the, your approach. And he introduced me to Jimmy Messer, 
and I had a meeting with him in this small half hour frame because he was recording this other band mm -hmm. and it was their break and he was like, all right, come in and we'll chat real quick and kind of fill each other out. I was fucking 15 minutes late because uh, of LA traffic. It was uh, in LA and I had no idea. It was my first time. Uh, so I was like, oh yeah, I'll just punch in GPS and just get there. <laughs> no, it was, it was crazy traffic. So I get there 15 minutes late and I had my wife come with me and I was like, just yeah. sit in the background. I was super suspicious because, you know, I don't trust anybody that well. Yeah. I was like, just sit back because you know me and just listen. And at the end, tell me your opinion. And within 15 minutes, he had me eating out the palm of his hand with everything he was saying. You know, oh, it was wow. right, right down the line of what I wanted. You know, he didn't want to change anything about what I was doing because it was working. Yeah. All he wanted to do was elevate it yeah. and possibly give me some perspective on how to look at it to grow it more without changing the core and the honesty and the genuineness of what the music was. Right. Which is really the kind of producer that I wanted. Yeah. Some producers and some people need producers that will push them so hard and make them change maybe because they're not good enough or whatever. Mm -hmm. But what I was doing was working and it was successful. It's just that I wanted to take it to that next level. Right. So, you know, I started working with him um, and I got out of that meeting and I was like, that's what I want to do the record with. My wife was like, I completely agree, you know, like she didn't pick up anything weird and she thought he said everything that I wanted him to say from the beginning, just right off the bat. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, we, we jumped in and I think working with him, I brought all the songs, just uh, acoustic guitar and a voice or a piano and a voice uh -huh. to him and showed him. And, you know, the only things that I would say structurally he changed were a few little chord changes here or there mm -hmm. and then every now and then or suggestions he made that okay. was the other thing is he wasn't like hardcore about it's got to be this way that's what i loved about him he was very gentle with his suggestions if yeah, you would yeah sure so um i got him uh we went in and uh you know the structuring every now and then he'd be like i think this bridge should go at the beginning actually or this verse should go at the end or other than that his main things that he helped with was raising the level of production mm. and the surrounding instruments and the instrumentation. Mm -hmm. Other than that, it was pretty much taking what I wrote and just raising the level of production and getting new layers that I'd never used before too, which was interesting and fun to mess with. That's so fantastic. Yeah. How did you, like with the, the trust thing, like is that is that in your life in general or is yeah. that really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I've, it's I wouldn't say in general with everything, but especially when it comes to things I really, really care about, uh -huh. you know, um, the music being one of them. I do have a problem trusting bringing in a stranger that uh -huh. is going to be a big part of it's someone that I don't know being a big part of what we're making that I've been working on for years. You know right. what I mean? Of course. So yeah. that's what I'm talking about when I when I when I talk about trust, because I didn't want to fall for somebody, you know, who is just talking a big game and then not really delivering or trying to change it without telling me and all this stuff but he came off as very genuine and honest so that's why i was cool with it so what how do you how did you how did you suss that out like when you're meeting somebody mm. and you don't trust them at first like what? i op i ask open-ended questions uh. and just see what their response is without because a lot of people and i used to have the tendency of asking questions and also while asking the question giving them the answer that uh -huh. you would want to uh -huh. hear uh -huh. so I, I would i would ask the general open-ended question and then just see what he had to say 
and feel them out from there not give too much of my own stuff because he's heard the stuff i made yeah he knows about me right you know what i mean so i'm trying to feel him out so i want to hear what he has to say because i've heard his work but i'd never heard what he had to say or what he talked about or right. what his you know passions are or emotions or what his process is and all that so yeah it was it was asking open-ended questions and just completely seeing if he was open and letting him talk and, uh -huh. and really listening and see what he had to say and if it matched what i wanted without telling him what i wanted you right. know what i'm saying 100 percent. yeah because it's funny how when you let it's so interesting that when you when you let people go uh it's sort of like when you're young and you're trying to date uh -huh. and, and you're like you eventually learn the lesson to shut the fuck up you're, <laughs> you're gonna talk your way out of it yeah 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 <laughs> you're not wrong man you're not you know wrong. What i mean i do i've talked myself out of so many great situations <laughs> because i wouldn't shut the fuck up that's life dude that's that's life you gotta live and learn it well, you're talking about process yeah, with with making this most recent record, how you kind of brought to him like the vocals, the lyrics, the bare bones, the, bare bones. the, the foundation of what the songs were when I wrote them. Yeah, is that what is that how you're writing when you sit down to write? Is it bare bones when you're writing? Yes, okay. I do not. I typically do not write with anybody else. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm uh, I like to be in solitude and just be able to flesh out ideas without the in without you know my thoughts bombarding me with who's listening oh and having this external other people having their influence because i like to and not that i won't eventually but at the core and the foundation i like to be alone and flesh out my thoughts and feelings or stories or whatever mm -hmm. i'm trying to do with the music because i feel like it's more honest that way i'm not thinking about what someone else may think mm -hmm. or what someone else might be listening to and how it it may affect me or you know what i mean yeah so that's that's typically all i write is alone and solitude and then eventually we have the bare bones i'll start bringing other musicians in and show them or get their thoughts and ideas on how to add to it and stuff but at the core i like to make the foundation myself bringing yeah. in people you trust mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> well yeah man <laughs> well is there a physical space that that you prefer to write in or is there a physical space you just write in? Um, no, like? it's, it's been all over the place, man. My, my first, my first record I wrote, uh, some in a basement, some in a bedroom, yeah. all over the place. The main key ingredient is that I have time alone with my thoughts, mm -hmm. a pen and pad and some way to record, you know, on my phone, typically the guitar, oh, okay. piano and my voice, you know, just a quick rough draft. I don't really use a bunch of studio equipment when I'm doing rough drafts. That's later when we get to the, you know, fleshing it out more and stuff. Yeah. So paper plus the recording. So are you, you're writing down lyrics? Yeah. I'm writing lyric ideas or like phrases yeah or an idea like my pads in the very beginning look like a jumbled mess it'll oh, be like a note there a note there or a line here and then a, a, a question mark on this word underneath it another word that could go there or another different rhyme and uh -huh. then another rhyme might inspire a different line then i cross out the first one also um a huge thing that that i don't have a problem with admitting is having uh, a dictionary thesaurus and a rhyme dictionary. Oh, a rhyme word? dictionary is huge. Really? Huge. But it has to be, mine is coupled with the Thesaurus and dictionary. And it's an app, the rhyme dictionary, though. It's okay. an app. So I'll, I'll get ideas. And then sometimes I'll punch in, uh, you know, the last word or the middle word or the first word and just see what words come up that are interesting that may inspire another line that I didn't think of that relate to that first line I wrote wow. that, you know, I flesh out 
I flesh out the ideas before yeah. I put it down. Like normally it starts with one thought or a phrase or a word or a, a story idea or a character I developed uh -huh. and then it expands from there. I don't write, you know, the music first or the lyrics first. I have in the past, but what I find is that if I write the music first and I'm trying to squeeze the lyrics into the box of the music. And if I write the lyrics first and I'm trying to squeeze the music into the box of the lyrics that I've written, oh, wow. the best that I get, the best work I do, I think, is when it's simultaneous. Yeah. Where I may have a couple chords that I like, and then a, or like a little 10 second chord change and, and riff or something, and then just repeating that and vibing off it, coming up with melodies, and then thinking, oh, Boom, 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 there's a line right there. And then go to the next chord or go to the next line. Like when they're simultaneous, I find that they influence each other and they aren't um, boxed in as if I wrote the, the music by itself. Uh, Does that make any sense? It makes a ton of sense, but it's not necessarily how most people write. No, I it's I don't think so either. A lot of people will write this beautiful poetry and then I find that they lose the the flow of it or they don't they don't lose the flow of it, but it doesn't flow with the music as well as it would if it were written at the same time as the music and both were created together. I'm not sure everybody can do that, though, Sean. It's, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it, I'm not sure that's I fair. I don't know. I think that might be some sort of either discipline that you've developed or a gift that you have. I, I both, can't explain. You know? I can't explain how or what. It's just uh, typically how I feel like I get into the flow state of when it feels right, when it yeah. feels like, oh, that's it. Like That's normally how it goes. Or when it's just necessary and I don't think about it and the song just comes out and I can't write fast enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that happens good, every now and then. That's the good bits right there. That's, that's rare. <laughs> yeah, that's like yeah. out of 60, 70 songs I've released, I'd say that's happened with five. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's, those are right. normally out of necessity or stress or needing to vent or something oh, like that where it comes out like that for me. Is there a particular one you can think of off the top of your Flow. head? Okay. Mm -hmm. Flow. Okay. Yeah. Flow, I was... Uh, it was from Shadows, the first record, and mm -hmm. I was living in outside of Nashville at the time, and I was going through this um, kind of little mental struggle or mm -hmm. career life path choice where I had stability and a career option on one end, mm -hmm. but something that I quickly realized while doing it, although I was good at it, it wasn't what I wanted, mm -hmm. but it was a viable option mm -hmm. to grow and be stable, and then the passion which was the music, which was completely, at that point then, uh, a long shot, a pipe dream, mm -hmm. a chance in a million to actually make it work. Yeah. But it's what I was passionate about and what I loved. Okay. So it was a huge struggle for me. I was you know, going through a lot of thoughts in my head about which choice to make, blah, blah, blah. And because of that tension, uh -huh. I needed a release. And so this one day... I was like, I'm just going to go out to this lake, river. It, it's it's like a lake fed by a river. Mm -hmm. It was close to my house. I walked out to it with a guitar. And uh, I remember just being kind of like getting that release and that calm from nature and being by the water and just hearing it. And I started on this this little riff came to me, this boom, boom, doom, doom, doom. And I just kept playing that over and over and over. And then... Boom, the first lyric came to me. I woke up to find the world was round one day, or the earth was round one day, and all around the world, things began to change. Never had I ever seen the sun rise that way above the day and greet the dawn, referring to 
my whole life I was thinking this was what I wanted. Everything was mm. going down. And then one day I woke up and I was like, holy shit, the world and what I thought was the way it was is nothing like I thought it was. Wow. And then it just, boom, 15 minutes, the song was done, the whole thing. Uh-huh. It was simple. It's not a not a complex song. It's two parts. It's one chord structure change, you know, one one chord structure, and then switching to another little chord structure and back and forth. That's the whole song. That's it. Yeah. And then, and the lyrics were pretty simple, but it just came out because of that stress that I was having, yeah. and it just related in the moment. However, it was like the perfect storm, and yeah. so it just came out in 15 minutes and was done. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Did, did that help at all with the decision, or how how did you make the decision when um, you were facing that? I think I already knew what the decision was. Uh-huh. I, I knew I wasn't happy with the stable career thing. Yeah. Um, and and I knew that I wasn't going to be happy, even though I could have been satisfied with money and stability and all this. It wasn't going to satisfy me. Yeah. So I think I knew what the decision was, but I think I was coming to terms with accepting it and mm-hmm. embracing the danger and uh, uncertainty of following something that I didn't know would work out. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So that's, yeah, that that's a huge part of it, how, how it all happened and why that song came to be. Yeah. So, yeah, when I went out there to that river, it was like I wanted peace of mind, just clear my head, but I knew what the decision was. And then the song just helped me solidify it and let go and just flow like the river. And that's where that's where those lines came from it was directly impacted by what i was going through and then being in that moment with the river and seeking solace in that place and it inspired the lyrics i was like you just gotta let that shit go right and just flow with it and if it's meant to work out it will and if not that's what i wanted to do anyways and screw it i would i'd be way less happy if i didn't take the chance and try it out than i would if i never tried Right. You know? Yeah. That's basically it. That's a great attitude about it. I think a lot of people that listen to the show um, and and me (laughs) wrestle with that question a lot, you know? And um, I think I'm at a good place right now in terms of my balance. Like, I do have a stable career, and then I do this. Yeah, and there's not one way. Yeah. You know, you can do both. Right. And you can do whatever. I just personally... I'm a I'm I'm a pretty much all or nothing type person uh, most of the time. Like if I'm gonna do it, I just hundred percent dedicate and want to focus completely on that. So for yeah. me, it felt like I was compromising something by doing both. Oh, but that's just my personal sure. personality, character, and who I am. You know, other people can be happy doing both or doing one or. And I'm not saying my way is right for everyone. It's just how it worked for me yeah the facts of how i got to where i was you know? but there's also like the yeah that makes a ton of sense and uh, but there, there's also this like um this sense of like uh i mean for lack of a better way to put it the grass is greener kind of concept oh right? absolutely you yeah know? you never yeah you you don't know what it's like till you're actually in it yeah and that's the career path i chose i was like that's what i want it's so it's related to music and it's <laughs> it's close to it and i could make money doing it and there's seemingly a viable option there and that's i'll make it work and then right. when you get in it it's like oh uh-uh. i don't like this <laughs> you don't know until you get over there and yeah. experience it you know? right right and for me it was the recording industry i went i went to school for recording engineering and i okay. thought that would be because i was pressured by family and you know all this stuff because i was younger to, you know oh have an option to make money yeah. just in case and so i chose that and it, it ended up you know, kind of sucking my soul a little bit when I yeah. got into it because I was I would I, I was jealous of the people performing. I didn't want to mm-hmm. be the one twisting the knobs and 
finding sound that the sound wasn't my passion right. and real engineers it is their passion that's right. what they love it took me having to go through it i was good at it yeah. but it took me having to go through it and being in getting my foot in the door in the business to see that it wasn't what i wanted right so i'd sacrificed all this time and money getting all the stuff i needed to do it and then when i got in and i was like oh damn yeah <laughs> well it's i don't know why we do that but we well i guess i do know why because well because you don't you really learning from a book and going to school and having the idea that you might like something or even being passionate about something and interested in something even if it's a hobby or whatever doesn't mean that that's what you want to do 40 hours a week as your job some yeah. things need to remain a hobby Right. Some things need to remain a passion. Some yeah. things need to be separate and be just a career and a money earner versus some people it's both like you can't know yeah. <laughs> exactly uh -huh. what it's going to be. But also we do those things for, for family too, you know? Like yeah, the pressure. The pressure well, thing. I think we get pressured, you know, like, what are you going to do? You're going to be, how are you going to live? How are you going to survive? Right. And, you know? Yeah. I, I was under those same things that everybody's under. Right. Up, you know? And that's the way that that's what I did in response to it. And no, I, I don't regret any of it because sure. I wouldn't got, I wouldn't have got to where I was without going through that stuff. Sure. You know, if I didn't do yeah. that, I probably wouldn't have had those thoughts and had that uh, tension and, then been able to write songs about it or maybe yeah. devoted my time or know known that that's not it and this is it for sure because you know what i mean 100 percent. sometimes yeah. you have to go through the hard times and stuff like that to just make you realize so i don't regret any of it sure. you know it wasn't a waste of time because it got me to where i am now yeah so. it doesn't do you any good to regret no it, no right? like that's not like really worrying no. and regretting neither one yeah. of those is particularly productive what do you do with when you're having a, a, any sort of mental struggle? Um, and I don't know if it manifests in any sort of, um, you know, mental illness or challenges on that level with you. But like even when you're just dealing with I've got a struggle, what do you do to stay centered? What are the things you come back to? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think it's situational based on what if, if you're speaking mental struggle. Yeah. Mainly. Yeah, mainly. Um. You know, as I get older, I find that I already know what my feelings are and, and you know, whether I feel sad because of it or angry because of it or anxious because of it. Mm. And I know how I feel a lot of times uh, having someone that I trust that I can talk to and get a different perspective on things mm -hmm. can really help me flesh out how to either understand what i'm going through better or know why mm -hmm. and understanding the why you're feeling that way and what made it happen is the first step to in my opinion either overcoming it or adjusting something and balancing something to make up for it and find a way to correct it mm -hmm. but a lot of times it's perspective because mm -hmm. for me when i'm going through something i'm upset and this happens all the time, even on the road you know with my boys and stuff like maybe someone's having a bad day yeah. And I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And they may say something that really got under my skin because I was having a bad day they didn't know about. Right. And then I take it as one thing and it gets to be this big thing. And then when you back up and just realize, oh, wait a minute, it, it wasn't meant in a serious way. It was he was going through that. And so that's why he said that. And I took it so serious because I was thinking of this and had my own problems. So a lot of that is perspective. Yeah. And understanding. But in the way I cope with it, you know, like I get angry like anybody else or I get sad and I have my moments and vents and steam and let that physical thing happen. And, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty fiery person when it comes to doing oh, that. Interesting. So I get a little fiery and zesty and then I back down. I'm like, 
Ah, oh, calm down. I've learned though, be fiery in your head without reacting uh-huh. physically uh-huh. or talking. Bef- you know, let it let it fire off and think all these things in your head and get upset or get whatever. But then back up before you react and then think about now that now that you've calmed down a little bit. What do you really think? And what do right. you think? You know what I mean? Yeah, so I, yeah. I'd say it's just like anybody else. But I, as I get older, I'm learning how to let it simmer and let it sit yeah. for a minute before you really dive into it. Because a lot of times, once that initial shock or anger or whatever it is, kind of you give it a day, you sleep on it or something. Yeah. You come back the next day and you're like, oh, I'm really glad I didn't react in a certain <laughs> way when I was uh-huh. feeling so much that way. You know what I mean? Uh, I do. I, I used to, you know, I don't think anymore that I am that way. Like I'm, I, growing up, I was incredibly fiery, like mm-hmm. temper, temperamental, you know, and like, I hear you. like Absolutely. my top kind of thing. Yeah. And it got me into a lot of trouble and it, it damaged a lot of relationships. Yeah. That's you know? exactly what made me grow up from yeah. it is like, I realized that I wasn't, even if I was in the right. Yeah. Yeah. Even if I'm in the right it doesn't help to blow up or to argue or anything, you know? And again, maybe that person you're upset with, that thing you're upset with is going through something themselves. You didn't know. Yeah. And it it took me damaging some relationships and kind of burning some bridges to wake up and realize, Oh man, even though I wasn't wrong, I could have handled that situation better and been a little bit more, uh, gentle or understanding or just taking my time a little bit more yeah. with it and not reacted so quick like yeah you talked about so i just think it comes with time and experience and learning lessons and making mistakes and now you know and hopefully learn a better way to do it and not repeat it over and over was there a moment where you realized that not a no. specific moment yeah. it was just uh, in general maturing man and uh, even when when those heavy things would happen i think it took maybe a year or two after looking back to be like, Oh, I played a bigger part in that. Yeah. And I realized, even though, like I said, even though there might be the situation where you were right, sometimes it doesn't matter who's yeah. right or wrong. And you undermine your own <laughs> argument. Yeah. You, know? you undermine, yeah. undermine your own point when you, when you get there, you know, exactly. at that point. When, when you're writing, um, you know, you talked about kind of it being bare bones. Uh, you have this just like incredible voice when you're writing, are you thinking about, about the voice as an instrument as well? Um, yeah, because when I'm writing, it's just me, it's just my voice and one instrument. Mm. So yeah, cause it, 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 it's like another instrument in the, in the melody sense. Mm-hmm. And then when you add the words and, and stuff like that, it becomes a little bit more, strategic and mm-hmm. expanded mm-hmm. um but yeah, yeah i am thinking about it because i write like i said when i write i like to write cohesively with the music and all that together right so yeah yeah i, I would say i am thinking about it because that is something that i do have i was i was born with a very powerful voice and right. it's, it's a natural ability that i honed in on and practice and practice and practice and, and grew and raised but it's something that came natural to me right. you know what i mean and yep. a lot of people don't have that so yep. i feel lucky and uh, i understand that fact that i wouldn't be half of where i am if it wasn't for my voice mm-hmm. you know what i mean like interesting. i know that yeah. I, it's a big upper hand that i yeah, was given yeah. in, in this world you know? right so but yeah it's i can't not think about it because of the way i write and because i write so simply like you said yeah that there's very little that I'm thinking of at the core and the foundation of when I'm writing it. 
besides the music and my voice. Yeah. You get you know what I mean? And then later, yeah. once those are done, then I start adding in all the other elements. Right. Like the drums and another guitar or a violin or a bass or a cello or a flute or another harmony. I don't think about any of that until after the core of the song I'm satisfied with. Does that make sense? It does. How long does it take you to get satisfied usually? Depends. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is a that's that's a completely situational thing. I've had like that flow song, 15 minutes, and I was happy because it just felt right. Yeah. It was therapeutic. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, that's what I needed. I'm not going to change that because that is exactly what I needed it to be in that moment. And then there's another song, like Love Will Find a Way on this on this new record. I love that, that song, song took me 10 years to finish. Yeah. 10 years. Because I wasn't, I had the first half of it, part one. I knew what I was saying. Yeah. That was easy to be honest that was just telling a story of mm -hmm. what happened the main thing i had a problem with was why why am i telling the story what is the reason of saying that this thing happened and it took so long for me to even understand or not even understand but be okay with what happened mm -hmm. and by me being okay with it and accepting and forgiving then i could move on and realize that oh I now have this uh, experience that I've learned to be okay with and I've turned dark into light or trauma into therapy or, you know, hate into love. And that's after I understood and forgave and kind of got over the story and what happened, that's what enabled me 10 years later to finish it and write the part two, wow. which was the answer to the part one. Why? Why did all this happen? Yeah, all these things are facts, blah, blah, blah. Why? You know, how yeah. did I get over it? Why, why, what was the reason for it? And so, yeah, the, the, the question of, um, what was it again? Uh, <laughs> I lost myself in a train of thought. Well, we, we went on a little bit of a tangent. I mean, I yeah. started off asking about the voice as an instrument and yeah. process, and then we were talking about the idea that, like, you put all those other things in later. Yeah. And my question was about that was, like, how how do you... How oh, how do you, you know the, when it's right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. You, you just know. <laughs> <laughs> Some, like, I mean, I the, main, the other thing is, like, I have four songs before. Uh, like I've, I've tried to force that one many times. Uh-huh. And it, it just felt icky and yeah. wrong, like something was off. And so I wouldn't touch it. I would just leave it alone. And I yeah. kept coming back to it over the years. And it just, I wasn't in the right mental state to comprehend. And I hadn't moved beyond and come to terms with what happened yet oh, in my maturity. So uh -huh. it didn't enable me to finish the song and know why. The why was a big part. And that's where part two came in. Once I kind of got over it, and understood a little bit more and realized that the reason that I am what I am is because I went through a lot of trauma and the reason why people get something from the music is because it was my therapy and why I made a lot of the music that people really connect to is because it gives them a release mm -hmm. and it's like man you put in the words something that I only felt and it made me able to let go of it or you know, getting messages like, I would have killed myself if it wasn't for this Holy song or something shit. like that. Like that changed my perspective yeah. over the years. And I started getting more and more of heavy messages like that. And it changed my perspective. And I was like, whoa, why? And I started looking at how. And then I realized, oh, it's because I went through a lot of heavy stuff. But I was lucky enough to find a release, which was music. Yeah. And I 
dumped everything into it and that's why I'm here and and that's you know what I mean that's that's yeah. what enabled me to move beyond a lot of the trauma was the fact that I had translated my trauma and releasing it in my music but then seeing how other people reacted to it and it helped other people made me oh whoa this is something way more than just about me anymore yeah. you know what I mean yeah so that's it's all about feel you know when it's right when it's right and when it's not right you can try to force it but for me it never felt right and never i've even released songs i wasn't completely 100 percent right with and i still to this day you know felt not weird but just like it was an incomplete thing that i yeah. put out you know i didn't give it time enough to simmer or understand i was rushing it right you know? that's that's difficult. It is. It's <laughs> it, you know, and, and like I said, applying this, this is there is no one way to do anything. Yeah. All that I am saying is the yeah. way that I came about to where I am in my uh, growth, development, artistry, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That's how I got to where I am right now. And these are the thoughts that helped me get to where I am. Doesn't mean that everyone else will go through the same story or the same struggle or even my, that my answers are what, your answers are it's yeah. just this is for me and maybe by me sharing this it may help you or it may make a light bulb click in your head and then boom you can get on to finding yours you know what i mean yeah that's well, not, like so many people hit me up and they're like oh how do i do this how, give me your like one two three abc uh, <laughs> and i'm like oh whoa, whoa, i can't do that yeah. everyone's different you know I'll, like, i can give you my story yeah. and maybe that'll help you but don't try to like copy it because everyone's different yeah you know? I, I don't think i think that's the thing that I, that's what this show tries to get at is like nuggets from everybody that we respect yeah. so that you, you can take and personalize that in whatever way absolutely right? like there are very few people who can go out there and do what you do in terms of like writing it all at the same time or it all coming together at the same time but but it you're giving me a different way of thinking about the writing process. Right. Right. So exactly. Like, and that may inspire something that you come up with for yourself. Yeah. It's just perspective. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, that's the theme. That's, that's the it, theme man. here. Yeah. It seems, it seems like it, it seems like in the balance of it all. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, I, you know, when you were talking about releasing a song that maybe wasn't there yet, um, because I've, I've, I've talked to a couple of people before that like have old songs that they look back on and it's like, they were at a different evolution in their creative life. And uh -huh. they look back at that song and it, and and they're not crazy about it, you know? And it's so fascinating because, but... I have another perspective, but go okay. ahead. Well, I was going to say, but that could be the song that saves somebody's life. You know, and that's... Exactly. That's, right? There are songs that... Okay, just to add another little twist, because you just made this come to my head. Yeah. I used to have a problem with releasing songs um, also because I knew that I was I would get better and then I never felt that I was going to be good enough, right? right? Yeah, 100%. And I was like, well, if I'm going to be better in six months, why don't I just wait, and then I'll be better? <laughs> but that's, that's an unending loop. Yeah. The way that I got over it was realizing that, and it's a little bit different than the song being baked and ready. Uh, your ability will never, hopefully, never stop growing, and your, your capability mm -hmm. and talent and everything, but... What I've what I've done to get over, like I'll listen to old records and be like, oh, cringe, cringe, cringe. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to hear that. Uh, but the truth is, that's who I was in that moment. Yeah. And accepting who you were in that moment and making a song or a recording 
and releasing it is putting a timestamp. This yeah. is who I was in 2012 at this point in my life. And I couldn't have been any better than I was then because that's just where I was. And if I wouldn't have released anything, then that would have never come out. And you got to let go of that. Sometimes. Yeah. Not in terms of the song being done or baked, but more in the aspect of uh being okay with letting stuff go uh-huh. and and how good it is like whatever like you're never gonna be good enough for real i'm never gonna <laughs> i okay not you i am never oh, good I'm enough never in my own head i'm never here. going to be so you gotta just if that's the fact yeah then let go if you're never gonna be good enough then just move on i'm never even now i'm not good enough you know there's always room yeah. for improvement so yeah a, a record or a song when it's ready to come out even whatever it's just it's a timestamp. That's right. where I was right then. And it couldn't have been any better or any worse. That's just what it was. Yeah. Let go, put it out into the world. And sometimes when I put out a record, I don't listen to it for years. Oh, and then interesting. I'll, and then I'll go back and years later be like, oh, nostalgia. Like, I remember. And I'll look back on it with fondness. Yeah. Versus if I put it out and then listen to it and next month let's do it again, I'm like, oh, critique, critique, critique. Uh-huh. Sometimes you just got to let it go. And let it be. I love that. You know, uh, so, so like th- I can relate on the on the podcast front too because what I'll end up doing, no matter what, like this has been a wonderful conversation, and I'm gonna walk away from it and be like, "Fuck, why didn't you say this? Why didn't you ask <laughs> it right? Like, it doesn't matter. Like I, this has been a ten. You know, I, I'm yeah. very pleased with this, and yeah. I, I I'm excited to go edit it and get it out in the world. But yeah. that doesn't matter. When I get home tonight, I'm gonna be like, "Oh, you fucking idiot! You missed <laughs> this question, or you forgot to ask that thing. You should have pressed him on this." Totally. And so I try to be good to myself when I release something out into the world. Yeah. Um, and just let go at that point. Yeah. And I, it, at first I sucked at it. At first yeah. I would like listen to the episode over and over again and kick myself for the editing choices I made and shit like yeah. that. And now I've gotten better about like, okay, let somebody else decide whether right. it's good or not. But when you look back, can you not see the evolution and oh, the growth oh my and God. almost the beauty of oh maturing and yes. learning? Like you'll never, if you never released anything, you would never get to where you are now. And you, you know what I mean? Yes. It's just, yes. it helps you to grow by letting go sometimes. A hundred percent. That's such a great point. And in some, and it is messy sometimes. Oh yeah. It's you not going to be in the beginning, especially because yeah. you're most nervous about in the beginning. It's first time. It's like, yeah. you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. No, I get it, man. I did it. I went through all that stuff and I still do. You know, there, I still have those moments and, you know, now there's a thing in the back of the head that's like, okay, now, I, you know, let it go. Well, uh, but yeah. it's, it never goes away. It's just yeah. you learn those thoughts never go away. You just learn to ignore those thoughts and to let them pass through. But a little bit of know? that thought's probably healthy. A little bit, yeah. You know? Well, yeah, if you don't have, uh, yeah, if you think you're God's gift and everything is perfect, then you're probably a doucher. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's just, it's, yeah. yeah. It, it, it it's it's a fine balance though between self critique and self mm-hmm. um uh, i don't even know what the right word is the healthy self critique and self examination and the unhealthy it's a fine line it really and is being kind to yourself that's something my wife always says to me she's like I love almost everything about you except how mean you are to yourself. But mm-hmm. I respond to, well, I wouldn't be as good as I am if I wasn't as mean to myself and yeah. held me to a certain standard. But also, they're both true. There's yeah. a fine, there's a balance yeah, you have to create. Yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. No, there's a balance, you know? Yeah. And, and it's weird. The older I get, I don't care how cheesy it sounds or whatever, but sure. the older I get, the more and more I find that balance is much 
is like the most necessary thing in my life and what makes me the happiest. If I lean too much one way or too much one other way, it may feel good temporarily, but then it always comes crashing back to, ah, I need to balance this out. And as I get older, I try to maintain that more, but that's just takes time. Yeah. But that's beautiful, man. Sean, this has been so much fun. I've loved it, dude. dude. It's a good conversation. (laughs) Honestly, like that's the best, it's the best interviews or podcasts is when it's just a conversation. You can just kind of go off, Go off the handle a little yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did. I think we we went we went where we needed to go, and I really, really appreciate it. Hell man. yeah, man! Break Thank a leg you for tonight. having me. On. I wish I could stick around. We got a we got a nine week old puppy. I gotta get home. And oh, what kind? Her out. She's a little uh, miniature pincher terrier mix. Nice. She's the cutest damn thing you've ever seen. Hell she yeah. looks like a toy Rottweiler. Okay, okay, <laughs> that's rad. That's cool. I have a little pug. Oh, <laughs> nice. I always grew up with big dogs, but yeah. eventually, and I never had a small dog, and my wife wanted one. I was like, <laughs> we tour like nine months of the year. I'm not getting a big dog and touring with a big dog. It's too much so attention, smart, man. too much stuff to do, too many messes, too many yeah. puppies. So we got this. It is the easiest creature I've ever <laughs> had the pleasure of taking care of. It's so simple. <laughs> and we raised her on the road, so she's used to travel, used That's to loud awesome. noises. But yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Man. Yeah, that we... So far, bless her heart, she is not easy. <laughs> um, but she's nine weeks old. Yeah, it takes time. Know, that so. beginning little period, you got to just be understanding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Patient. All right, dude. Well, I'm not going to keep you any longer. Cool. This is awesome. Thank Thanks you again, so man. Appreciate Sean James, y'all, what a conversation. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you all for listening. Go to seanjamesmusic.com for tour dates, merch, and so much more. Sean is out touring west, out, out in the West right now. Tell him hello for me if you live out that way. Go see his show. What an incredible talent that guy is. Head over to marinadepodcast.com for all things marinade. We have some shirts for sale. Uh, I got a few marinade hats left, so if you want one of those, get on it, please, because I'm not sure we'll order that same style again. Um, but it has the logo, the head logo that my partner Chris designed. You can also find tons of bonus content over at marinadepodcast.com. Written pieces, um, photos, uh, website-exclusive episodes. There's just so much um, on the website, and we really appreciate every little bit. Speaking of content, if you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community for just a few bucks a month. You can get access to our Patreon-exclusive show, Jason's Journey, where I talk about the uh, creative moments that have shaped my life. Um, Every little bit helps. If you can swing a little bit, that would be awesome. But if not, no big deal. Go follow us and give us a rating on your podcast app. It makes a huge difference, y'all. Also, follow us on social media. Share our posts. um, Like our posts. Tell a friend about the show at the very least, that makes a big difference, and every every little bit helps, as I said. All right, y'all, it's time for what I'm getting down on, the segment of the show where I talk about the art that is inspiring me at the moment. I have two personal plugs. Um, first, I'm going to be at the Folk Yeah Festival here in Orlando. Um, Mike Dunn does a great job putting that together. Mike, the incredible photographer and songwriter uh, based here in Orlando. 
Um, that festival is the 29th and 30th of November. Um, I will be there on the 30th specifically. I'll probably be hanging around both days, but um, I'm actually going to kind of work uh, on one of the stages interviewing artists. So they're going to kind of play in the round, and then I'm going to um, do some interviews, uh, live interviews, which is pretty exciting, uh, really exciting, uh, amazing, just killer lineup also. Caleb Caudle is going to be there, Matt Woods, Have Gun Will Travel, Zach uh, Williams from the Lone Bellow, um, our friends Jordan Foley and Kat Ridgeway and Kyle Keller and Patrick Hagerman, just so many great artists at the Folk yeah Festival. So um, check that out if you're in the Orlando area. Definitely make it out. Um, but it's worth a trip, y'all. If you can get here uh, later this month, I highly recommend it. The second plug I have is for my partner Chris's new Etsy store. She, I'm so fortunate to live with such an incredible artist. Um, she inspires me every day. And it's fun to see these things come to life i mean chris has like cheese boards and um and uh coasters and light switch covers like really functional art that you could have uh hanging around your house just as a statement piece or you could actually use um it's really cool to see how she she i mean she begins with just a piece of wood right it's just like blank canvas and she cuts the wood and she sands it and she um stains it and all the stuff right i mean i'm not equipped to um, fully explain her process. I will get her on the show here one of these days um, soon, actually later in the, in the beginning of next year where she's going to come on the show. Um, but there's just so much that goes into this work and it's beautiful. Um, you know, these coaster sets that when put together are one painting and then they can function separately as coasters. Just gorgeous. Y'all um, check it out. Etsy.com slash shop slash real artistic. That's R E E L artistic. Um, Chris among her many talents is also a filmmaker um, who with a film degree and just, just unbelievable person. I'm so fortunate to be around her all the time. Uh, and, and it's, and, be inspired by the work that she does. Um, finally, for what I'm getting down on, I'm really enjoying the book I'm reading. It's called Mostly Dead Things. It's by um, an Orlando-based writer named Kristen Arnett, who I most certainly am going to reach out to and see if I can get on the show. Um, the protagonist in this book is a gay taxidermist living in Florida. And it is so far outside of my reality, except the Florida part. And it's so great. Um, I, I love those truly great pieces of art that you can connect to despite the fact that they may really not have a whole lot to do with your life, but the human condition, the, the way that great artists are able to connect, um, to connect people to the human condition is, um, is truly magical. It, it's magical. And, uh, with this book, it's, I love it because the protagonist's life is just so different from my own, except that she is growing up in central Florida, which is very much um, something I can relate to. Uh, but I feel like I know this person, you know, um, I don't know that I knew anybody like her in uh, growing up. Um, I'm not sure I know anybody like her now, but um, I still feel an intense connection. And I just think it's a beautiful piece of work. Um, the reason I got into the book, it was, when I was going to um, to Swanee this last time, and we have three episodes coming up, y'all, from from our Swanee series um, at Spirit of the Swanee Music Park in Live Oak, we have Melody Walker, amazing, amazing conversation. Seth Walker for the second time, always an amazing conversation. And Verlin Thompson for a second time coming up soon. Those will be the next three episodes, actually, in some order. Um, but anyway, when I was going to, 
to uh, Suwannee. I rented a car and the experience was just a mess. Like they didn't have enough cars. Um, I had run there. It was about four miles away and I'm training for a marathon. Um, and I, 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 that was exactly how long I needed to run that day. So I was like, Oh, I'll just run there and then I'll pick up the car and, you know, come back. So I run there and it's taken forever. Um, and I'm just like, everybody's pissed. Everybody's like cussing. And you know, what are you going to do? I, they overbooked themselves. Um, I was just waiting till the car was available. So I hopped on Twitter and somebody had retweeted an article that Kristen wrote, um, about some so a couple of shows that were set in Florida on becoming a god in Central Florida, and I can't remember um, the other show. But anyway, uh, reading her take on Florida and on on shows that depict Florida was just is a beautifully written piece in the New York Times. And um, and then at the at the bottom, it gives the credit, you know, and says that she wrote this book. So I ordered the book from my local library. Um, best library in the world, Orange County Public Libraries. They deliver to your door. It's magical. It's beautiful. Um, and uh, so it's just, it's funny how those term of events happened. Um, just happened to be, you know, needing to kill some time, um, found that article and then ended up with this book in my hands. And uh, I'm so glad I did. So I'll definitely be reaching out to, to Kristen. I doubt she listens to the show, but if you do, Kristen, um, please come on, come on the show. I'm right down the street. Y'all, thank you so much. Sean James, unbelievable. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.